Hello and welcome to MindQuest. I am your host, Miguel Morales, and this is Mission Control Center. Hello and welcome one more week to Mission Control Center, your one-stop shop for IT careers from recruitment advice. This week we interview John Lunn, a Welsh Azure MVP and MCT working as a technical architect at BT Enterprise. Also known as Johnny Chips, John is an organizer of the Welsh Azure user group and an avid vlogger. He recently sat down with us to discuss the benefits of being an active member of the Azure community and how he learned Azure IoT. Make sure to visit mindquest.io slash blog for a full interview. There you will also find a new job description. This time we look at the role of the CRM consultant. But without further delay, let's welcome John. Hi, John. Welcome to Mission Control Center. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Let's start from the beginning. What made you go into Microsoft technologies and cloud architecture? You know, I always liked Microsoft products. It was just one of those things that, you know, I think when you go into business, you work predominantly work with Microsoft technologies more often than not. So I kind of cut my teeth in IT on that side of the fence. It was very much Microsoft focused. So I guess when I then, you know, took that additional career step into the world of consultancy and kind of specializing in a particular area, in my case, it was unified comms when I first started in that world. Microsoft was a natural stepping stone. You know, it was a natural well. I've dealt with it for a number of years now. I know my way around it. I was comfortable with it. So, you know, developing those softer skills then to speak to customers and other clients and helping other people understand the technologies or or being, you know, parachuted into a, a completely burning disaster of a a problem that that that, that I was parachuted in on, on many occasions you soon learn the technologies at quite a, a deep level. Um, you know, when things are offline, things are broken, database haven't been backed up, you don't have a backup, um, things are corrupt, you soon learn quite quickly what you can and can't do. So, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I suppose I, I kind of edged myself gently into the world of consultancy and architecture. But like I say, I, I find myself now as a technical architect working on predominantly Azure, Microsoft Azure-focused solutions for customers. And... I look back on my career and I think, wow, you know, it's been quite a a long career. Um, I've delved into a number of different areas, but I, I guess I wouldn't change it for the world because I, I guess I've learned so much throughout that time, if that makes sense. Cloud is evolving very rapidly. What's your approach to keeping up with emerging trends? As an individual, I, I'm, I'm constantly thinking, right, where, where are we going with technology? Where what, What's next? You know, not, not just for my own interest and keep the passion and the interest in my career alive, but really from, you know, where can I add most value, you know, to the company that I work for? How can I help them see and visualize those innovative kind of ideas and projects and solutions? And, you know, for, for a number of years, you know, I've been speaking internally with my management team and really talking about where we're going as an industry. And, and clearly, you know, for, for a number of years, it's been around IoT, edge, uh, data, machine learning, AI, all of those kind of technologies that are going to drive that innovative kind of solution design. So I've been on a, a personal quest, if you like, to I've dabbled in areas over the years. I've done bits and pieces and I keep telling people I know enough to be dangerous is my, my, my stock answer. You know, I know enough to dig in and make a little bit of noise, but I've taken it my own personal development journey to try and dig into that in a bit more detail. So IoT was one of those areas that I kind of jumped into. Why is your IoT in particular? How did you go about diving into the area? I wanted to understand right the way from that physical thing 
that physical device and object to the microcontroller that is inside that device to the LEDs and resistors and buttons and, you know, RFID or whatever it might be that comprises that device with some sensor data in there or sensor items. How do those things get made? And then what is the code that sits on that microprocessor? How do I develop that code to then enable me to take that sensor information? Maybe there's, you know, maybe there's some, I don't know, optical sensor. There's some, um, temperature, humidity, the common things that you find in IoT projects. But whatever the sensor is in my device, how do I take that, read it with some code and send that up to this thing called the cloud? Um, you know, how do I do that? And then what do I do with that? And how does that work? How do, So I took it upon myself to try and look at some pet projects to build this, to start looking at sort of microcontrollers, pr- put them in. So I literally, I, I got myself a 3D printer. I started printing off all these yeah. random designs. I got myself, you know, a whole bunch of these kind of little, I know I'm holding up the screen over there, like these are Raspberry Pi Pico chips um, oh, okay. and micro bits. And I've got Uno boards here. So they've got, I've got a selection of boards and I took it upon myself to say, right, okay, what would it take to do something really basic? Um, just, you know, from a programming perspective, there's lots of disciplines. There's not just, there's the engineering mentality. If you're really starting off at the maker side of things and so looking at how do I make something, then how do I 3D print something? How do I then put some code on a microcontroller? How do I use my input output pins to do stuff? you know, with the the GPIO pins, as they call them. So the general purpose input output to light LEDs to, you know, how do I do all that? So I went on this journey of learning all of these kind of disciplines right the way up to the end, this point of, right, I've got my thing. I've developed this thing. and I've got a program that runs on this thing. How do I make messages and send them to the the, the cloud? And I knew that, that, that Azure and Microsoft have got a lot of good feature set and functionality with the cloud in terms of, you know, the core thing to it is the IoT hub. So that is the hub in Azure that kind of takes these messages and and fundamentally stores them in a queue, you know, and to do with whatever you like. So it's a big queuing system. So it was a case of, right, okay, I, I've written some code now. I can send a message. Again, you can send it in various different kind of common standards and common formats using, you know, common set of protocol to send those messages. And then, okay, I can send that up to the IoT hub, but now what do I do with it? You know, how do I make sense of that data or, you know, what, what do I do with it? So then I learned to run things like stream analytics, you know, learned what IoT edge devices were all about and what the purpose of IoT edge devices is, you know, that whole processing things before you have to stream large, you know, quantity of data or, or sensitive data across the internet. You know, sometimes it's not viable. So you need to do that, all, all that kind of, um, you know, sort of that number crunching, that processing of that data locally on an edge device, a little computer that sits within your own network. So then once we've got all of these messages flowing into the IT hub, what, what do I do with them? You know, so things like hooking into time series insights within Azure. But what does that look like? What kind of information does that give me to, you know, storing the messages in storage accounts, storing the messages and, and sending them off to Power BI data sets to kind of do some visualization and processing? You know, it's, it's, it's a huge, huge journey that you can go on, but it's really about understanding all of these little components that go into what makes an IoT solution and, and really trying to understand how do you join the dots between these various features and components within Azure to make those solutions. So like I say, over the last seven or eight months, it's been, you know, more of a labor of love than anything for work. So, you know, I've really enjoyed it. I've met some fantastic people out in the community that have helped me understand things that I've learned from, that I've taken ideas from. 
And I, I think it's probably fair to say I just really enjoyed it. You know, it's really good fun. And I think in doing that and going down on, on that journey, you, you learn so much about those areas of, of Azure that maybe you're not using on a, on a frequent basis. You know, I'd never used things like stream analytics before. I kind of understood what it was about and understood it at a high level, but I'd never actually set up a stream analytics job. You know, I'm guessing some of your listeners might be listening thinking, yeah, I've heard of stream analytics and I've never used it before. And that was, look, that was me. And that's the point. I jumped into those areas because now all of a sudden, you know, I've written a stream analytics SQL function, if you like, and I understand why you might want to use some of these functions in what kind of context. So, it's like I said before, it's understanding and digging down into the into the depth of those areas a little bit more than maybe you might, you know, you've got this high level view of the world. I try and dig down deep as much as I can in as many different areas. So I've got a hopefully a little bit more of a, a clearer picture as to how and why you can use these things. So yeah, it's been super fun and it's not stopped. There's still obviously there's always loads to learn and uh, I'm enjoying it. So yeah, I'm still running down that road at the moment. So do you think a hands-on approach to learning new technologies is better than, let's say, a theoretical or certifications-based approach? Well, yeah, I mean, everybody's different. I think it's probably the, the first part there. I think for me, hands-on works well. Um, absolutely, certification is, is a great way to go, especially if it's something relatively new and, 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 and unknown. I think if you look at, you know, predominantly the Microsoft certification, so the AZ220 exam is the IoT developer speciality exam from Microsoft. And that's what I was going at at the time. And I was, I guess there's what I've seen, there's certain ways people can study for exams. It's very much theory based where you read the Microsoft docs and understand things. And, you know, if you do enough Microsoft exams, you can kind of, you work out which questions almost not which questions are going to ask you, but the areas and you kind of get to learn almost parrot fashion, the areas of that particular exam is going to cover and that's great, but I mean, personally, I mean, don't get me wrong, there, there have been exams where I've kind of just done in that way. But I think the problem with that is that, yeah, great, you go in and you've learned something over a cram week or two. But the problem is, later down the road, if you've not actually done anything physical or hands-on or done it yourself, I, I found that I, I forgot it, you know, and it was like, oh, I, I remember reading. But so for me, the IoT exam, I, I literally took quite slowly you know it was you know like i say it was over that six or seven month period i think i sat the exam probably back back two months ago or so now a month and a half two months ago but i took a good six months of time to literally get hands on so for me it worked and it worked well because i was able to read the microsoft docs articles go through the microsoft learn uh, modules um there's some great plural site courses there's an, an az um 220 site course if people have got access to that with some great people from the community that have written those courses. And, I, and I've spoken to them and, and had chats with them about the, the various things. So for me, I took it relatively slowly because I wanted to kind of absorb it and be part of it for a while. And, you know, basically because it was so much fun. Yeah, I was just having so much fun doing this tinkering and making. And and I, like I say, it hasn't stopped. It still is fun. It's just time. So, yeah, I I think certification is definitely a great way of almost putting out there, look, these are the areas that I need to learn. How how you learn those is is up to you as an individual, I guess. You know, everybody's got their own style. And for me, slow and steady, hands-on, sinks in more. And I'm able to retain that information longer and apply it to other things is what I found over the years, if that makes sense. You're a very active member of the online Azure community. You go by the nickname Johnny Chips, and you blog and host a weekly blog covering Azure-related news and topics. 
How did you become such an active part of the community? What were the beginnings like? I've always been on the peripheral, the edges of community. And I guess I never really understood what community meant. So for years, you know, I've been fortunate enough to go to, go to some great Microsoft events, other events, you know, globally, um, local events in, in London. You know, the, I've been fortunate enough that I've worked for companies that they've been happy to send me. And I've met some brilliant people. But I've never, I, I personally never really been actively involved in community. So obviously when COVID hit, um, we were kind of all locked up in our houses a bit more. You know, the, I got the time to actually focus and build myself a little bit of an office space because I was always out on the road, always, you know, driving up and down motorways in the UK or running the kids around. So I had all, you know, as, as we all did, we, we had this additional time and I thought, right, okay, this is an opportunity for me now to actually, we're going to be locked up in our houses for a unforeseen, unknown amount of time. Right. I'm going to make a go at this now. I'm going to try and focus, the, you know, toward the, the public, you know, learning and the community a bit more. So I, I thought, right. Okay. The first thing I'm going to do then is I'm going to use my nickname. That's my, I mean, you hear people like in hindsight, I didn't really know what I was doing when I first started. I set a blog up and it was johnnychips.com. What does your new role in the community bring into your life? What have been the best moments so far? You know, it sounds a bit cliched, but there's been so many different um, scenarios and situations that have been that have been super fun that I thought I would never be in this situation if I, you know, if I had not turned to community and things like, you know, from um, joining and setting up and helping co-organize a user group. You know, so part of um, what I do as part of the community is helping organize the, the Welsh Azure user group, and we run that as a monthly virtual session. I mean, that, we've had so many fun moments over that just from the, the guys and gals that help organize that, the, the weekly or the biweekly calls that we have through to the events themselves and just the fun, the engagement um, from other people in the community, from people joining. You know, there's been so many just comedy moments and just good good general laughs over things. And, and look, we're all learning stuff as we go. Yeah, it's been fun through to, I mean, IoT has been one of the standout things for me, the people I've met in a, in the world of IoT, you know, from Community people like Pete Gallagher, um, Clifford Gius, uh, you know, through to the advocacy team in Microsoft themselves, the IT guys there. I've managed to speak to one or two of those over the last few months. They're all super people, you know, really clever, intelligent, passionate people just putting stuff out there, you know, through to just the, the mentor on Twitter. You know, the, 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 it is safe to say that you, you forge these new friendships, you know, without you realizing it. You're virtually speaking to people across Twitter. And you're having that banter, you're having that little bit of a laugh, you know, to the extent that, you know, we jump on a live, on, on a live Twitch stream and, and try and, you know, have a little bit of fun on, on Twitch streams and things like that. So it's probably safe to say that you, there's not really been one best moment so far. And, and I think, to be honest, the best is yet to come. You know, I'm really looking forward to getting back to the face to face meetups and, you know, getting back out there to, to events where, look, I get to meet some of these great people, you know, and then go and hopefully have a coffee or a beer and, and a bit of lunch or something with them. And uh, I, I see that being a, you know, super fun time then when that happens. So, uh, yeah, I think the best is yet to come, to be honest. Thank you, John. Best of luck. And until next time. And now this is what happened in technology this week. Is the new Don Draper a machine? Advertisers are increasingly resorting to artificial intelligence to come up with better performing slogans and copy for their campaigns. This makes sense in an information-saturated media ecosystem in which consumers are constantly getting bombarded with similarly sounding messages. But AI is not substituting copywriters. 
Rather, agencies are tasking humans with the drafting of the text and having an AI perfect it and fine-tune it through testing and analysis. A perfect symbiosis, if you will. And moving on to other news, this year's Stack Overflow Developer Survey takes a deep dive into the lives of software developers, outlining, amongst many other things, their preferred tools and languages and the specialties that pay the most. Developers are quite fond of Rust and Svelte, but dread AngularJS. DynamoDB, AWS, and Ruby on Rails are amongst the most lucrative skill sets. JavaScript is, again, the most commonly used language. Furthermore, 60% of respondents say they learn to code through online resources, albeit 54% of them also credit formal education for their coding skills. And finally, Apple's announcement that it will be screening U.S. user photographs to detect child abuse images has caused quite a stir-up. NeuralMatch, as the tool to be used is called, will scan images before they are uploaded to the iCloud storage service, comparing them against known child abuse imagery. The move has garnered praise from child protection organizations, but has security researchers and privacy watchdogs worried. Crossing this line, researchers say, could have serious ramifications. And that's all for this week. Make sure to follow us on social media. We're on LinkedIn at MindQuest Talent and on Twitter at MindQuesting. Thank you for listening. And until next time.